Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Happy Friday, Art Smart Parents, and welcome to episode number 43 of the Raising Smart Kids 2.0 podcast. One of the goals of this podcast has been to be able to bring you guests with expertise in all areas of arts, education, and entrepreneurship so that they could share what they know about the arts, how it benefits our kids, and tips that you can use each and every week to incorporate the arts into your already busy lives. And today is no different. Our guest today is Anna Tilson. Anna is a mother of two stepmother of two, auntie to many, and teacher to thousands. She has dedicated her life to arts education with a specialty in early childhood. She is the owner of Dance and Magic, a dance and music studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. In addition, she has been teaching dance in the Twin Cities area preschools for over 15 years after graduating with a dance certification with a teaching emphasis from Santa Rosa College in Santa Rosa, California. She has an abundance of knowledge and helpful hints to share from her experience in arts education and as a parent. She decided to start a blog to be able to help parents foster creativity and confidence in their children. I know it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I know I need to get back into that as well. We're taking a bit of a a detour, I guess. We're going a different direction. So I'm like, okay, I haven't really like returned lots of calls. I haven't done any Facebook ads because I don't really want anybody new right now. Just because like we're going like. I need to make a transition before I want to onboard anybody else. Otherwise it just gets weird, you know, yeah. cause we're going to terminate the program as we know it in December and then start fresh in January. Um, so it's like, okay. Anna, is there anything that I missed in your bio that you wanted to let the audience know about? No, I think you covered everything. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. Sure. Fantastic. Well, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know how you came to come to the world of dance and what that journey has looked like for you. Yeah, well, um, I started working with children at a very young age when I was a teenager in, in theater and community education. Um, and so when I went to college, I knew that I wanted to go the education route. And uh, I decided to go with dance education. So I went out to California to get my dance education degree. Um, because here in the Midwest, it wasn't a, a thing back then. <laughs> Might be dating myself a little bit, but um, they didn't really have dance education. They only had dance performance. So I really wanted to get that education aspect of it um, because I loved, loved working with children. 
So after um, I moved back to Minnesota, I started working for different uh, dance studios and different programs, and I really fell in love with working with preschools. I uh, traveled around to different preschools, and I worked a lot with those young children. Um, I taught quite a few classes a week in the mornings doing that, and then in the evenings at the studio. Um, I found that working with young children was a blessing. It really uh, helped me discover my why and why I wanted to teach dance mm. because you got to see how the children develop and learn. Uh, you know, young children in early childhood development are in their fastest growth periods. You know, not only physically, you know, you see how tall they get um, every month, but you also see uh, mentally um, how they are learning and developing and uh, learning all of those skills that they need to to be a kindergartners one day. And I love that too. I'm currently teaching a class of threes and fours and I haven't actually taught this age group for so long. And I'm finding just like you, that they bring me such joy because everything is so exciting for them. They're not afraid to really try anything because they haven't learned about certain boundaries that perhaps society sets up for them on what's acceptable and what's not. And they, it just, this, discovery every single week and there's that the light bulb is on the entire time and it's so much fun to see that so thank you for talking about these little kids because I think this is where sort of the foundational aspects of how parents can help their kids grow into smarter more confident kids really comes from yeah, absolutely. I believe those uh, young early childhood years are definitely critical in creating uh, that type of environment where they're able to learn and grow from the arts. Right. So if listeners are at home with, with little kids, you know, there's now it seems like there's so many activities, you know, they're, they're, they can play soccer, they can go to basketball, they can do all sorts of things, dance classes, music lessons, rec lessons, swim lessons. So what is it about the arts classes that makes them so important for young children? Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, it's something that they can succeed in. Um, we're in Minnesota, the state of hockey, which I, I love hockey, but you put a three-year-old in ice skates and they can barely balance. Yeah, right. um, you're lucky if they can make a straight line in the ice. Um, however, when you go into something like the arts, um, you know, dance or music, um, they can they can learn, they can become dancers, they can become musicians. You can have, you know, that three-year-old learn how to do a passe and learn how to do a chasse and learn how to uh, put their feet in first position. You know, it's, it's, it's something they can accomplish and feel good about and they can actually be dancers um, and grow into it. And then the other thing is, like I said, just about how fast they grow right? So this is really the time that you are trying to grow those critical thinking skills, the skills that help them problem solve. Pattern making skills is huge at this age. This is where they learn how to create patterns in their head um, and then make their body do them. So if you have a pattern of four, four marches and four claps and four marches and four claps, they're creating that pattern of counting, uh, the pattern of actually making their body physically do it, and just how to make a pattern. And when they do go into um, any kind of school environment, whether it's homeschool or, you know, at a regular school, they are going to be heavily learning patterns for all of their mathematical skills. So you're teaching them, you know, skills beyond just, you know, the, the physical aspect. Yes, and I have this discussion with parents a lot too, because 
from the outside, they see a dance class, for instance, as a place where they can have their kid engage with other kids, learn some social skills, and wear a very cute costume with a tutu at the end of the year. But when I talk, about, talk to them about what's really happening, and like you mentioned, you know, there's so much growth and development. Their brains are growing and the connections in their brain are multiplying at such a rapid rate. And being able to be an influence at an early age to give them opportunities to explore and like you said, to succeed are huge because those successes they have at a young age are gonna be so impactful as they get into middle school and high school. Yeah, yeah, really are. And I've seen that firsthand. Excellent. And if parents are looking to get their kids involved in, say, a dance class or even a music lesson when their kids are young, what are some tips that you could give to them to help seek out the best place for them? Um, I know as a parent, what we tend to look at first is price and location, right? Um, You know, and it is important for those things to be consistent, okay? You definitely want to find a a place that you can consistently go, you know, once a week, um, twice a week, or so forth when they're young. Um, However, what I really want you to concentrate on, though, more so is the values. So the values of that particular that particular place that you're looking at. So a lot of them do free tours or free trial lessons or a discounted trial. And I definitely suggest going in there and seeing if that particular place meets your family values, because it really is about um, the growing and the learning that they will be experiencing. And it's really an investment um, in your child. You will see those, you will see, you know, if it's not the cheapest place, that's okay, because you will see if it's the place that will help them grow the most and learn the most, uh, because you will see that investment again in their education and in their development, for sure. And that's such a great word that I use as well, is that investment. You know, you're not just investing in them today, you're investing in who they're going to become 20 years from now, because every experience they have, starting when they're little, all the way through when they're an adult and on their own, those things are going to be making a difference in how this person relates to the world, how confident they are, what leadership skills they possess. And so definitely parents can find a place. And I love that you said values because values are really important. And, you know, when I first, I guess, got into teaching, you know, I, of course I had my own values, but I didn't really express that or know how to explain that. But now as I'm on the other side, I'm a parent of two kids. Yeah, a company's values become increasingly important and they're either going to resonate with you or they're not. Exactly. And each family has their own values that they have and that they support. And it's very important to find a place that aligns with your own family values, because that's a place that hopefully you'll be learning from for a very long time and grow with your child. Yes. And time's another critical factor, too, because it's easy to think that when we enroll our kids in that six week or eight week rec program, at the end, they're going to have some skills. And while that may be true, we know that in the arts, it's all about the journey. It's not about that destination, as the quote goes. It's about what you're learning along that journey and how those little steps are going to add up to the big, the big celebration at the end when there are massive skills and there are massive social implications that are positive for them. You know, it, it's interesting to sort of talk to parents about what that looks like. And again, going back to your word investment, it really is an investment in the journey. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, in talking specifically with early childhood, you know, they can learn a few skills in six to eight weeks, but you will see a really great return on your investment in your child if you do go the long haul and go a year or two, you know, up to, you know, graduating high school even, um, if you do continue it, decide to continue it that long. But it's it's that long-term, yeah. um, week after week, you know, repeating these patterns, repeating these lessons, um, you know, developing these, okay, now you know four marches and four claps and four marches and four claps. Let's add another step. Let's add another pattern. Let's see if we can do it in threes. Let's see if we can, um, you know, add balance to it while you're doing it, you know? So it's really where you're going to develop um, the most is in that long-term, you know, uh, long-term consistent uh, classes. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting how I think arts education after school sort of gets segmented into recreation. And yes, it is recreation, but it's no different than any sort of other education. I mean, we're sending our kids to school for four to six hours a day for 12 or 13 plus years because we want them to have that continuous education for those patterns, like you said, to be repeated, for those skills to be gained upon because you need a great base layer to be able to get to the top of the pyramid. So it's interesting to think that we sometimes as a society think that there's a quick fix to creating this great dancer or creating this great musician because when we see them on the stage, they make it look so effortless and so easy. And our kids see that picture and that's what they have in their mind, not necessarily understanding that it's just like going to school, that it has to be a long process. And it may not always be fun. However, there's always going to be lessons to be learned in that process. Yeah, process is huge. Absolutely. really, really big. So we talked a little bit about um, the different values different studios have. And one of the things I think we have in common is about fostering leaders. Mm-hmm. How can the arts specifically help to foster stronger, more confident leaders? Yeah, definitely. Um, the arts can foster leaders in, in several different ways. One is that, you know, a lot of the arts takes teamwork, right? In a dance class, we have teamwork. Even in our music classes, we like to work in small groups often. Um, developing that inner relationships, you know, within not only the communication verbally, but you're also, you're physically holding somebody's hand. You're looking at them. You're trying to match their dance steps. You know, it, that, that level of teamwork isn't often found. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is some, somewhere where you can develop that type of teamwork and develop that. Um, there's also creative thinking. Um, it, creative thinking is something that can be not only in the arts, um, but it can be outside of the arts as well. So when you're talking about a leader, you're talking about somebody who can um, creative think and can problem solve and can lead their team. So you're talking about things like, uh, you know, following the um, the arts in trying to create uh, not only what you're taught, but also what you're not taught and what you're able to let loose and what you're able to freestyle or what you're able to um, to get creative with and you know create drama with and tell stories with because a lot of arts is about storytelling so then in that within that storytelling you're really fostering that creative thinking process Um, and then there's also goal setting now a lot of times in the arts like you said we have like those recitals those end of the year goals and those 
can be really important with fostering leaders because leaders always have a goal in mind. So mm -hmm. maybe your goal in mind is that end recital and you're working hard towards it. You're learning all the choreography, you're following the teacher, you're listening, you're correcting. Um, you're also taking those, um, those critiques and you're correcting it, you know, Hey, I need you to stomp louder here, you know, and then they, and then they follow that correction. Um, and they do that in the, for the purpose of, you know, whatever goal that is, that could be a performance that could also be just a particular step that they're learning with the older kids. I know, um, turns are big. They love doing turns. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're starting with, you know, your simple little Sinead turns and then you develop it into, you know, a single turn and then a double turn. You're learning balance. You're, of course, every ballerina's goal is to be doing those fautes, <laughs> but it doesn't, you don't get there by just going for it one time. You get there by setting that goal and reaching it little by little and using those steps. So when you're talking about a leader, they know how to do that. You know, our, our dancers know how to look forward to the goal ahead and how to do small steps to get there. And I think that's really important uh, for a life lesson, you know, in learning. You can do that with any goal that you're setting. And that's great, too. And I think the whole talk about goal setting for parents with young kids, what does that look like? Because I, I, can, I can hear it in my mind saying, wait, my kid is three. Or why are they setting goals? What's happening? Can you give me an example of why goal setting is so important? in the early childhood age group? Um, in the early childhood age group, goal setting is really important to build confidence. Confidence mm -hmm. is something that they need um, and they can learn easily through goal setting. So let's say a three-year-old, um, you know, really wants to be on that stage. Okay, well, here's how we get there. You know, let's learn this. Let's focus on doing this choreography. Um, and again, focusing for a three-year-old is not, not easy. But if you make it fun for them, then they can learn it. And once they learn it, they feel really good about themselves. Once they feel really good about themselves, they're building that confidence that it takes to reach that goal. Um, and they just really, once they reach that goal, they're so proud of themselves. Yes. It's something that they did. And, you know, three-year-olds and young children, they can't do a lot by themselves. They can't cook for themselves. They can't drive <laughs> themselves, you know, to the park or whatever. Um, they, most of them can't even tie their shoes themselves. However, they can set that goal for themselves. They can know the small steps they need to get there and they can achieve that goal. And if they do that multiple times over and over and over again, that really sets in the confidence that they can really create, you know, and solve any goal that they set for themselves. How would you recommend that parents document a, a young child's goals and what they do when they attain them? Um, there's lots of different ways to do that. The, the best way for young children, I believe, is immediate gratification. Okay, mm -hmm. they're, they're not going to understand, um, you know, okay, in six months, I want you to do this. They're gonna understand, you know, in small steps. So they're gonna understand, okay, I want you to listen to your teacher today. Um, and if you listen to your teacher today, you know, a lot of parents use rewards. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're gonna go out, go out and get your favorite kind of apple or, you know, have a special trip somewhere after you, you know, you go to class and you listen to your teacher. Um, you know, so when you get to that and then you're getting, okay, you're doing a really good job listening to your teacher. Now I want you to really look at their feet when you're dancing, <laughs> you know? Um, so, all right. So then they're looking at their feet when they're dancing, you know, okay, great. Awesome. I'm going to get your favorite kind of apple again, you know, and just reinforcing yeah. that over and over again, that when, when they do create that short, you know, a, a achievement for the day, they get 
you know, they get a reward at the end. Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe it's a sticker that their teacher gives them. Maybe yeah. it's a stamp, you know, but to, to praise them for their goal in the short term means a lot. So after they come out of the class with their sticker on their card or in their hand or on the stamp, you know, whatever they come, give them a hug, tell them how wonderful they did, how proud you are of them. That can go a long, long, long way in life. Absolutely. Making a big deal out of the small wins really bolsters them so that they know next time when they try something new, they maybe aren't going to be as afraid of it because they had success before. So I love being able with little kids to document that and stickers and stamp charts. Those are all great visual tools. I'm a very visual learner. My kids are very visual. So when they were little, having that little stamp chart or a little magnet board where they could get all of them across the board and there was some sort of some sort of reward at the end was definitely such a great tool for them because it got them excited about reaching their goals at a very young age. Exactly. Parents today are so busy. Earlier we talked about, you know, kids have so many activities to choose from and if a family has more than one child, they're often um, mom's taxi service for three or four hours in the afternoon where they're running back and forth and back and forth from this activity to the next. What is one simple tip a parent could do after listening to our podcast today to incorporate any kind of arts into their lives? Yeah, um, well, I'm a busy parent myself, <laughs> you know, um, and I guess what helps me a lot is, um, is having books in the car. And I know it seems simple, but you think about homework time. My child is assigned about an hour's worth of homework every night. And just to squeeze that in, we're going, oh my gosh, you know, squeezing that in in between um, the activities. How do we do that? Um, and a simple way is just getting their reading done in the car. So a half hour of reading is what they require uh, for the school every night and you know even that 15 minute ride to dance class and back so they're 15 minutes there 15 minutes back boom they have she he has his half hour reading already done so you know keeping those books that are going to keep them engaged in the car really helps us cut down on the homework time a lot as well as you know they're not staring at a screen <laughs> you know which I love I know a lot of these days they have you know tablets and, and phones they can look at when they're driving in the car but just to sit down and read a paper book um, yeah. I think is really important for uh, focusing as well as you know just time management for our family. Yeah, and I love that you brought up books for a couple of reasons. One, I love reading and my kids love reading as well. That was something that at a very young age I wanted to instill in them. So we started reading before, before they were even born. Um, but I think people often forget about the literary arts. You know, in school yeah. they, they just read. But there's no discussion about the arts that goes behind putting a novel together, putting a story together, what the illustrations look like. It's all just a big piece of art. And I think that most of us forget about the arts behind the words. Yeah, you know, language arts is huge. It is huge for that development as well. Um, you're talking about, you know, creative writing, you know, it can be a really great form of expression for a lot of children. and. A lot of times children that are, um, you know, into the arts in other aspects would also be into the arts in, in writing and reading and yes. painting. And, you know, there's lots of different ways you can define on what your art is. But if you're an artist, it really does go across the board often. Absolutely. 
Now, Anna, you've been a teacher for a number of years. Can you share maybe one story of how the arts has transformed a life at your school? There's so many. <laughs> um, yes. but, but I guess the one closest to my heart is my own daughter. Um, she was really shy. She was that shy girl mm. who didn't want anybody watching her, didn't want anybody looking at her. Um, first three recitals, we're talking three years, mm -hmm. you know, one year after the other, she ran off the stage. <laughs> she didn't wow. want to perform anything in front of anybody at any time, although she loved learning in class. Mm -hmm. um, and I always, I always tell parents, you know, a lot of times performing isn't black, you know, it isn't black or white. It isn't one or the other, either you're a performer or you're not. It, it's a process, just like mm -hmm. any other process. So um, I tell parents a lot, it's a lot like swimming. So some kids jump in the water right away, and some kids stare at the water for a while, put their toe <laughs> in, eventually maybe go up to their knees and get out of the water again, then maybe go up to their waist, and they slowly get in the water. Um, and this is kind of the case of my daughter. She, like I said, she was super shy. Um, and now she has used, you know, what she has learned in class with her pattern making, her creative thinking, her teamwork and small groups um, to eventually, you know, she did get on that stage and perform. Um, eventually she did, um, you know, perform not only at recitals, but she's, you know, choreographed her own competition pieces and, you know, really has become a dancer in her own right and, and uses the stage to express herself. And um, it's just, a total 180 just by letting her go in slowly with the performance mm. the performance aspect um, but this also really changed her life at school because it gave her the the courage to do things like uh, student council model un uh, public speaking mm. um, now she's a freshman in high school um, she got chosen to go to special creative writing conferences you know these are all things that if she didn't have the arts i'm not sure that she would go that direction you know she might be more of an introverted uh, child however you know now she's a freshman in high school at a performing arts school and i'm just so proud of her for being able to mm. use the arts as her voice you know she didn't have uh she was real shy at first but now she really has used the arts to express herself and create those leadership positions for herself and she's looking into going um into being a lawyer and you know going to pre-law and she's really excited to do that and the arts have given her the you know the basis for the education for to do that you know she knows how to perform well at school she knows how to you know have the teamwork and she knows how to public speak now yeah and i love this example because it really ties into the fact that sometimes you know kids in school can struggle whether they're shy or they don't do well academically and they can feel where they're kind of lost but then yeah. you introduce them to the arts and all of a sudden like you said they have a voice and they're able to see what they can do themselves. They see their accomplishments, they see those goals being created. So of course, what they do in the dance classroom or the music classroom or the, any, any kind of arts classroom is going to transcend those walls and become part of who they are in their everyday life. So what a great example of how the arts improves school performance directly. Yeah, it really has. It really has. And it gave her that confidence to do that. And, you know, um, you know, I'm just so proud of her and what she has accomplished so far. And then I'm, you know, really proud in the direction that she's going as well. And Absolutely. her goals are, are high and yes. she can achieve them.
Yeah. You should be so proud. Yeah, because that is that is huge. It's, it's a mother's greatest joy to be able to see our kids, you know, go boldly into the world and not not um, hold back and keep themselves from doing what they are meant to be doing in this world. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Anna, what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, especially those listeners who have children in the early childhood age? Um, I do have a blog. It's danceandmagic.com, D-A-N-C-E-N-M-A-G-I-C.com. Um, and if you can click on blogs there, you can go ahead and read the blogs. Um, there are some blog articles there. Um, you can also um, get a hold of me on Facebook. I'm at Anna.TilsonMogany. Um, and are you going to put a link in show notes or yes i will so yeah. I, i'll put Excellent. a direct link to your blog page as well as your link to facebook so absolutely we want our listeners to be able to reach out ask you questions and engage with you absolutely anytime perfect and then anna before we say our goodbyes today is there one parting piece of advice you could leave with parents today I guess um, I think the parting word of advice would be to get involved, make the investment, dip your toe in the water, you know, um, just as it's, you know, it might be uh, hesitant to do so, um, but dip your toe in the water, then go up to your knees, <laughs> you know, see how, see how the creative arts uh, work for your family and work for your child, because that's the only way to, to find out is to just try it, try it out. Awesome. That is excellent advice because I think that if a whole family gets involved and the kid is not just being dropped off, the results that come at the end are going to be that much sweeter and that much greater and the whole family can celebrate together. Absolutely. And they really love that support. That child will take that with them. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. I had such a great time talking to you today and I look forward to connecting with you very soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll connect soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share us with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review there and let us know you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more tips on raising smart kids, head to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of my first book, Raising a Superhero, How to Unleash Your Child's Eight Superpowers and Propel Learning Through the Arts. Thanks for allowing me to be your guide on this parenting adventure, and I look forward to catching you next time.